Oh my gosh, I am so excited to kick off this week because guess what it is? It is Shark Week on the Biz Women Rock podcast featuring women of Shark Tank. Woohoo! What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. This is your home for all amazing, fabulous business stories from savvy businesswomen who are here sharing about their journeys so that your business journey can be inspired by it. You heard me right. This week kicks off our Shark Week. And what that means is that in order to celebrate Shark Week, you know, that very famous Discovery Channel uh, feature that happens all week long, we are featuring sharks of our own. Women who have gone on to Shark Tank and survived the tank and have a great story to share from it. Um, so how can you participate? Now, I got to tell you, Shark Week is an amazing and fun and totally social time here on the Biz Women Rock podcast and within the Biz Women Rock community. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash Shark Week. And there you'll be able to download really cool visuals and graphics of these fun Shark Tank, Shark Week. You know, it's the Biz, it's the uh, Shark Week on the Biz Women Rock podcast featuring women of Shark Tank. You're going to take a selfie or what we now call shark selfies. And you're going to go post it up on social media and you're going to hashtag uh, Shark Week. You're going to hashtag Shark Tank. You're, you're going to hashtag Biz Women Rock. And you're going to hashtag me, Katie Kremitzos. If you need to know how to spell that, you could go on the website. Anyway, I want to know. I want to see your picture. I want to see your shark selfie. And then you can see all the different selfies that women all over the world have created during Shark Week to celebrate these amazing conversations with women who have been on Shark Tank, Okay. So go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash shark week. Okay, to kick off shark week today, I couldn't imagine a better uh, partnership, a better group of women to be able to kick it off. So we have Kate Stedman and Sharon Bowie here who have founded the company Frill. Now Frill offers affordable uh, dresses, uh, for sorority women who are doing, you know, rush week and need uh, these dresses that are like sort of a similar theme with each other, and it's all affordable. So uh, now they have they had been in business for three years before they went on to Shark Tank, and within those first three years, they had generated four hundred thousand dollars of income of revenue. Um, which in and of itself is amazing. So we talk about, we really talk about in the beginning kind of their setup, what they're all about, how they, how they, you know, run this business. And then we get into talking about their Shark Tank experience. For, for young women, these, these girls got it going on, man. They know their business. They know their stuff. You're definitely going to learn some behind the scenes about their experience on Shark Tank. Most importantly, how they prepared for it. I've never heard this before on how they prepared to be on Shark Tank and be so smooth on the show, which they were. So, um, and they ended up getting a deal. They did a deal with Kevin and with Barbara for $100,000 for 30%. And you're going to hear all about the, you know, how that came about and the aftermath of that and what it's really been like working with the two of them after the show has aired. So let's get right on going and kick this off with Kate and Sharon of Frill. Kate, Sharon, thank you guys both so much for being on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. 
Of course. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. We're hoping that this works on round two. Our first round, our mics went out. So, <laughs> so here we go. All technology good vibes happening right now. Um, yeah. I'm really excited to have you guys both here. It's not too often that I get both partners that are um, able to come onto the show together at the same time. So this is going to be really wonderful just to get all the dynamics of your business going. Um, I am really fascinated by the business that you guys have built. You have built frills, which is really focused on being able to fulfill um, really cool dresses at an affordable price that are sort of like fun and matching that, that, you know, really deal with the market of sororities in the Greek community, um, which is a huge need there. So if you can kind of explain a little bit of the backstory as to how you came up with this idea and talk a little bit about how you first started it. Yeah. Um, So I was a sorority girl um, at my school and we, when I joined you had you were forced to buy recruitment outfits um, for sorority recruitment to wear in front of the potential new members, um, and these outfits were anywhere from fifty dollars to two hundred dollars, and then you had to get it altered, and then you were just like in this dress that you didn't like and it didn't fit, and you would never wear it again. And so that's kind of when like the light bulb went off. I was like, this is a problem. Um, that first of all, we have to be forced as college kids to buy such an expensive thing that we're not going to wear again and then we're not fitting into it and we have to get it altered for like $50 more. And so um, I knew Kate in college and I knew that she was really good at production and financial things and design. And so we put our heads together and we developed Frill, which makes custom sorority recruitment clothing um, at a more affordable price and it's a little trendier than taffeta. Yeah, so before doing this, Sharon and I were um, – full-time college students and we actually started the company as juniors in college so when we started it was very much kind of a slow process we wanted it to grow kind of organically and I think that was really beneficial to the growth as a company because it let the market kind of realize what frill was and build from there instead of us really trying to jump in and force our product on the customers it was much more of a um, word of mouth process and I think that was really nice. How did you, how did, did you guys do any sort of like market research in the beginning to make sure that there actually was a niche? Cause you know, I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs sort of have this gut feeling like, oh my God, this is something I want. So of course, you know, hundreds of thousands of people across the U.S. want it. But what, where did you know that, okay, this actually would fulfill a need, like a larger need? Was it market research you did? Or once you were sort of launched, you were realizing that people were coming or both? As a sorority girl myself, um, I had sorority friends at other schools, and I would talk to them about this problem. Um, and you know, they would agree with me that they're having the same problem, and they're having to buy these outfits that they didn't like or ever wear again. And so that's where the market research came in. And I would talk to different schools, and different schools have different traditions as far as sorority recruitment and what they do and what they wear and what their restrictions are. Um, so that's where the market research came into play, and then. We had a picture go viral on Pinterest in 2013, and um, sororities all over the country, even in Canada, Australia, and the UK, who knew that there were even sororities, you know, internationally, which was an exciting thing for us to find out, um, all were looking for recruitment clothing, and we obtained, um, we tripled the amount of sororities we worked with from year one to year two. Just because because of of the Pinterest post. Correct. Wow. Okay, so what did that mean? 
going viral can mean different things. So what did that really mean? You had taken a picture of, and, and I want to be clear about this, like recruitment clothing for sororities, it's it's almost like bridesmaids type of dresses, meaning that everyone sort of matches in some way. There's like a theme going on. So it's not like, oh, I just get to go pick up whatever dress at Nordstrom's I want. It's like there's sort of a specific type of dress that the sorority itself kind of agrees on, right? Correct. So there's a recruitment chair um, that is voted by the sortie to have that position. She plans every day of recruitment, recruitment class, anywhere from three to five days, depending on what school you go to. And each one of those days um, has a theme, whether it's a colored theme or just, you know, like a party kind of theme, um, like tropical or um, when they have skit day, sometimes they do like sex in the city kind of theme whatever theme they have they plan everything around it even the color of the outfits and the style of the outfits got it okay so so now explain a little bit about it. what did it mean that your that your pinterest post went viral you had taken a picture and wh- like what what did you do what happened um so we just uploaded it to pinterest i mean there was not really at the time pinterest didn't have pinterest advertising like it does now um, so we just uploaded it to pinterest and like kate said it just organically grew Um, And then, I mean, we just saw like 50 emails a day as juniors in college and we would get um, all these people and brides wanting all of our stuff because of that Pinterest post. And then um, a popular blogger on Tumblr posted it on Tumblr and people reblogged it on Tumblr and the rest is kind of history. That's amazing. So what did, um, did you, uh, did you have your website up and running by this point? And if so, what was the, like, what kind of action were you getting on the website? Were you getting people ordering right away or were you just getting like a lot of inquiries? Like what was, what was really happening? So, um, as college entrepreneurs, we bootstrapped our whole way, um, from year one to year three. So our first website was free. It was a flash website and Mm -hmm. that's why we got 50 emails a day. That's why we got floods of emails when this picture went viral because we didn't have an e-commerce website. Mm. So we couldn't take in orders on a website and we just were, we were just using this free website and that's all we knew. You know, I mean, we didn't know much. We both um, have never owned a business. So we were just using whatever came to us for free at the time. How are you actually fulfilling all of these orders that people are saying? So if they say, hey, I want this style and I want these colors what do you what do you do like how what's the back office of your whole of your whole business like Sharon said each sorority chapter has a recruitment chair and so the the way that the process starts is that recruitment chair approaches us and she explains her theme to us what color she's interested what her budget is and what style she's interested in and then from there we go through all of our options with her um, and really narrow down which product we would be best suited for that chapter And once we've established that, we talk about the color and fabric that they want. And then we send them every single fabric swatch that we have available in that color. So if she says that she wants the Carolina Bosker and she wants it in a a light pink, then we'll go through all of our fabric options and send her all of the light pinks that we have available. And then from there, we basically solidify the style and color choices. And once that's done, we send them a size run. They fit the girls. So each girl knows exactly what she's getting. And then once we have all of that information, we send it into production. Um, So it's produced specifically for each customer. We overproduce slightly just in case some girls' bodies have changed over the summer or someone was studying abroad and couldn't get measured. Whatever the case may be, we like to make sure we have products available for easy exchanges if needed. Mm -hmm. And then we deliver those products to the customer. So 
in that whole process, that seems like a very customized process, but you, I'm sure that you've had to create some efficiencies in that whole process in order for it to really make financial sense for you guys. So what, what sort of systems do you have in place to really expedite that whole process? In general, I think we've really expedited the process of getting the sizes from the girls. And the thing that's really customizable about it isn't necessarily the style. I mean, all of our chapters pretty much choose from six or eight skirt styles. The only thing that's customizable is the fabric per se. So Mm -hmm. when we send this to production, all of the skirts can typically be cut together. Um, They're grouped into color groups. And it's really streamlining the production process because that's where the most efficiency can come from. Mm, got it. So about three years into this business, you guys were, you guys had, you know, generated 400000 in revenue. You guys were, you guys were rocking it. I mean, things <laughs> were moving along. Why did you decide to go onto Shark Tank? How, or did you get called? How did that whole thing start? Um, so I was doing a half victory lap at, in college. So I did an extra half. <laughs> I did an extra half semester of college because I started a business in college, so I was a little behind, and that was my main focus. Right. Um, during that half victory lap, I watched Shark Tank a lot, and I just I really loved the show. I loved the investors on the show. I just I loved the whole concept of the show, and I was like, man, I think that we could do this. I feel like what we do is pretty unique enough that we would get accepted onto the show. Um, I was just a big dreamer, and I was like you know what, I want to do the show, like I want to go on the show, so, but I wanted to graduate first, so first I graduated, and I promised myself after graduation, I would look into what auditioning would be like for the show, Mm -hmm. Um, so I approached Kate about it, um, about going on the show, and we looked into the auditioning process, and there was like two options for the auditioning process, there was an open casting call, where you could pitch for only a minute, um, which at the time, and it was in Atlanta, we're located in Raleigh, North Carolina. So it was a couple of days before that open casting call. And as recent college grads, we were very spontaneous and we we're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, we'll practice the pitch in the car. We got this. <laughs> um, you know, we'll sleep. We'll sleep in the car. We'll sleep on the street, whatever it takes. Okay, I don't know that we said that, but. <laughs> well, I was, I was. Hang willing. on here. We're not going there. <laughs> Sharon was willing to sleep on the street for this thing. Kate would have slept in the car. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> um Anyways, when we came to our senses, uh, well, the good thing about that open casting call is you find out two weeks later for sure if you move on to the next round or not. Okay. Um, we came to our senses and we're like, man, like the money we would spend in gas, um, food, um, staying at a hotel or whatever we were doing, it would probably end up being like, you know, 100 some, maybe $250, whatever it was. And so the other option was you email or excuse me, you send in a packet of information that they have about your company. And this was um, in January 2014. It changes every now and then. Okay. So this might not necessarily be um, what is current. But anyways, um, you send in a video with that packet of information. And so we submitted the packet of information in two DVDs in a vanilla envelope. And we didn't look back. That was January 2014. And then in February 2014, we got a call and she left a voicemail, and she said, hey, um, I'm from Shark Tank, and I almost freaked, I almost dropped my phone <laughs> when, at the, hey, I am from Shark Tank, because honestly, we submitted that stuff, and we just didn't even talk about it, we didn't think about it, we were like, we're not going to bank on this or get our hopes up, um, and with that route, you might never hear back, unlike the open casting call. Right, right. So she said, your DVD doesn't work, and I was, I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> 
I ran. I was like, "What do you mean my DVD? Doesn't, what do you mean my DVD doesn't work?" Because my brother is a tech guru, so right. he helped me make the DVDs, and we tested it in a DVD player and a Mac okay. before, um, and it worked. So I don't know how it didn't work on there. But anyways, I quickly ran to my computer, uploaded it to YouTube, and the rest is history. They loved us. Wow. So I, I'm all, I'm curious about this though because obviously there's a lot of benefits to going on Shark Tank. I mean, whether you get a deal or not, you get so much exposure. And then if you do get a deal, you have the potential not only to get the investment, but to actually work with really amazing people. But why? I mean, you guys were doing just fine. And you, for any, in any businesses accounts, being able to generate 400000 in revenue over a period of three years for a startup is actually really awesome. So why, why did you make that decision other than like, kind of like it's the bright lights and it sounds kind of sexy. Like what was the major driver for you to say, yes, we actually do want investors. We do want somebody else in on this like what what really were your morals at that point in your business or your beliefs in your business that that you really wanted to do that the main thing our company has always struggled with is finding a reliable production source for our products the thing that is really difficult regarding our customers is the fact that we may have 70 girls in a sorority but the factory may have a hundred piece minimum So you would have to overproduce those 30 pieces just to be able to make a product specifically for that customer. And we knew that the people that we could possibly be working with if we got a deal on Shark Tank would have the connections that we would need in order to grow our business in the ways that we needed to. Um, Production was, was a struggle from us for the start because when we first got into this, we basically contracted it out to local seamstresses and then it got to be too big for them, but it was still too small for factories. And it's just kind of climbing that chain. And instead of continuing to try to just pursue these options and just see where they go, we wanted to have a reliable connection to them. Got it. And that's, I mean, that's a huge deal. Right. So, all right. So let's talk about the preparation that you guys did. And I've, I've, I did my research on you. I, I saw what kind of preparation you did. And I really want you guys to, to share that with everyone because it really, I was very impressed by kind of how much, <laughs> all the different angles that you guys prepped. So what kind of things did you prepare for and how did you prepare in order to really give your pitch on Shark Tank? So like I said, I was really obsessed with the show. And I feel like as recent college graduates, um, we know how to study for things and, <laughs> and big things like this are really important, obviously, but you know, we just got done taking like final exams for the past four years of our life. So we had, I felt like we had all the resources you could ever have at your fingertips to be prepared for this. So, um, I watched a, as many episodes as I can, could on Hulu, YouTube and CNBC and the current season. And in those episodes, every question I didn't know about our company, I would write down and go find out the answer. Mm. And then Kate and I had this running like Google Drive Word document that had questions of things we would just think about in the middle of the night um, that they could possibly ask us. And we would put it on that um, document. And finally, we just, I mean, we just had this long list of probably like 50 some questions that um, dealt with either numbers or just facts about our company and we studied it like a final exam and we would quiz each other um like the two months leading up to filming like Kay and I would at least take one hour a day to quiz each other on um, our pitch and quiz each other on these questions and so we just really wanted we didn't want to look like fools that's for sure (laughs) we didn't want Um, the the zooming in on the sweat yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't think anyone wants that (laughs) 
We just really wanted to be prepared and we wanted it to look good. And um, Kate will also tell you about some other things we did. I mean, like Sharon said, we would we would grill each other at random points during the day. So it'd be kind of funny because we'd just be driving to an appointment. We'd be talking about something random that was happening. And then all of a sudden we'd throw out a question and expect the other person to answer it. And I think that's what really helped us is that spontaneous question that you're not expecting because a lot of times in the tank, you don't see it coming. And so being able to answer these and have the questions ready was really helpful. And um, one of the things that we also did was divide the questions by, by um, category and then who would answer them. So in our business, Sharon deals with contracts. She deals with the sororities, all of that side of things, the marketing. And then I deal with the behind the scenes production finances. So we divided all of the questions and we knew that these were the ones that I would answer and these were the ones that Sharon would answer. But more than that, if a question was directed to us that was finance related, even if it wasn't something that we had prepared for, it wasn't a question we had written down, we would at least know who would answer it. So we wouldn't have that awkward moment of silence where we're going back and forth saying, no, you answer it. No, you answer it. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I think that really helps because yeah. they want to know that you are quick on your feet. You know everything you do you possibly could about your company. And I think that's one of the things that they were really impressed by right. is the fact that we didn't stutter at all and really get caught on any of the questions. And it, and it, it almost shows that you are passionate about your company without saying you are passionate about your company. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I've seen a lot of episodes where people are like, I'm passionate about my company, but they want to see through your words and actions that you are passionate instead of you saying that you're passionate about your company. Right. Yeah. But the biggest thing we did to prepare was we had a friends and family <laughs> night at our office. We assigned roles to our family members. Um, so my dad, for example, was Mr. Wonderful. And then, yeah, we had all five You, like, did a whole mock-up? Oh, oh yeah. My, That's awesome. Oh, yeah. How my many assistant? people were there? Uh, probably, like, 12. Yeah. Okay. So you had like, enough people there where, like, you were, you were definitely, like, kind of on the floor. Like, you could get nervous, right? Yes. That's and funny. I mean, this was less than a week before we were set to fly out for filming. And we thought we were so prepared. We went in there and we had a thank you speech prepared <laughs> the whole nine yards. And they grilled us. I mean, we left crying. We left crying. No. We, by the end, we didn't give our thank you speech. We were like, get out. <laughs> they, they were worse than the tank. I tell everyone they were worse than the tank. Yeah. But that is hilarious. But I do tell everybody that it, it's a room full of people that love and care about us the most. Yeah. And they want to see us succeed. So they're going to give us tough love. Yeah. And they know our company. So in the tank, you go into it. They know nothing about you. Whatever you say is, is you know, Bible. That's all that, you know, that's all that they know is exactly what you say. Right, right. And so these people in the room, they already know everything about our company. So if we slip up on an answer and they know that that's not the right answer, they called us out on it. You uh -huh. know, So that made it 10 times more difficult. But I think having them really helped us realize what we were missing. Um, and mm. we knew a lot of our numbers. We, we knew everything about the company's growth as a whole. But what we didn't know were a lot of our percentages. So these are numbers that you easily have access to. You may know how much money you made your first year and how much money you made your second year, but you wouldn't necessarily know the percentage of growth, which yeah, is okay. another question that they could answer. And yeah, you could try to work it out in your head, but that's something you want to already have memorized. Yeah, that's a really great point. So I got to yeah. ask you how, who played the best, like most on it shark? 
Like who's like, whose personality? Like who did you have lined up as your panel as your sharks, and then who oh. played it like right dead on? Oh my gosh, my dad <laughs> as Mister so, Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, my sister in law was Lori, and she's very like patient and compassionate, <laughs> and, and she's blonde, so it was just like perfect. Um, my brother was Robert, which makes sense because my brother like loves tech things, right? Um, who else? I don't even is? remember who the others were. Man, you st- you you staff these pretty well. <laughs> yeah. right. It was a lot of fun, and I think one of the best things that we learned from this entire experience it was from one of my neighbors back home, and he said, "When you are in front of people, go into it knowing five bullet points that you will not leave without saying. Hmm. Like if there's anything that you want to get out, make sure it is those five points, and you will not leave until you have." proven those or talked about those and I thought that was really good because you can get lost in the details you can get caught up in the moment but you want to make sure that whatever those bullet points are you want to make sure you hit them because those are what are most important to you what was there any question that you got or any sort of happenstance that happened during your time with them that threw you off that like or in a good or bad way like just surprised you uh well unfortunately we can only really talk about what aired But I think in general, I don't know. I think I was, we were more surprised by how calm we were. Mm. I think at the, I don't know, in viewing the show, you, you feel nervous for these people. You feel that the sharks are these really intimidating individuals. And I mean, they are, but at the end of the day, they're just people. And I think I was personally most surprised by how comfortable I felt in front of them. I was surprised how funny they were. Mm-hmm. They made me laugh like half the time. <laughs> and I didn't think, you know, we had, I had like nightmares about this leading up to it. So the fact that they were just so humorous was very relaxing and relieving. Right. Yeah. So you guys ended up being able to work out a deal. You actually had uh, three sharks fighting for you. Two of them paired up. Um, you had Robert basically give you exactly what you wanted, which you would come in and ask for 100000 for 20%. And then Barbara and Kevin had um, separately offered you deals. But then at the very end, they ended up coming together, offering 100000 for 33%. You countered for 30% and you ended up going with them because they agreed with that. Why did you choose the pair of them? Going into this, Barbara was the person that we were really interested in getting as a shark. During our studying of the seasons, we realized that a lot of the follow-ups were Barbara's companies, or they were companies that she had partnered with another shark on. And that was really important to us because it shows that she's involved in continuing the growth of the company. So it's not just this, I'm going to get on this national television show, and then, yeah, you're going to help me, but at the end of the day, that's it. We wanted to make sure that it was something that's kind of a perpetual situation. And, um, yeah, so we went in knowing that we wanted to get her as a shark. And so when when we had multiple offers on the table, she was the one we were leaning towards anyways. But then when they combined, it was kind of – I I don't think it was really a question as to who we were going to choose. Right. So let's talk a a little bit about the aftermath. So, you know, everything's peachy keen. Everything is awesome on the show. What, at least that you can talk about, (laughs) what what happened like immediately afterwards? And I want to say this, you, the three of us are recording this. It's April 4th. It's been just shy of a month. You guys uh, went live on March 6th of 2015. We're now on April 4th of 2016. So you literally have just gone through this experience. So talk a little bit about the aftermath, the Shark Tank bump, the, you know, like what really happened 
I'm getting so excited. I'm asking 80,000 questions. Let's start with the realities of like what really happened in, in, cause I know that they always like will sort of sit down and then really go over all the paperwork, make sure exactly what you said was really the true case. What actually happened in that process? Um, yeah, so they go over all the paperwork and that took like months. We didn't close until, um, end of November, beginning of December. Okay. Um, so it felt like forever and they were actually, you know, they were our actual partners at that time. So it was hard to keep a secret, um, for so long and not utilize them when they started becoming our partners because we couldn't really make anything public. We couldn't, you know, have them send an email on behalf of us, you know, until we aired, so um, that was one thing that we went through before we aired. And then after we aired, um, obviously, the Shark Tank effect happened to us. You know, we got hundreds of emails. We got um, a ton of page website hits. Um, we had a lot of sorority girls in choir. And that's that's the biggest thing to us. And that's what we really needed out of this is um, the sorority exposure across the country. Right. And for sorority girls to inquire um, about using our clothing for recruitment. So that was really exciting. I mean, even the night of airing we had a viewing party and I had a random recruitment advisor somehow she got my phone number somehow and (laughs) and it was like right after we aired I have no idea like she's from Texas I'm from North Carolina I don't know how she got my cell phone number but she texted me and like congratulated me and it's like this long paragraph about how she wants to like use us and that was just like really exciting that had come together and was like thinking about frill (laughs) which is just like a really exciting thing when you know, we have a little small business that we're running. Right. That is so cool. Was there any change in the in the deal? Because sometimes that does happen where all of a sudden like the percentage changes or the amount changes or something else happens. Was there any change or does, is the deal that we saw the deal that you guys got? You guys saw it all. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, um, so how, like what's, what has it been like working with Barbara and working with Kevin? How are you working? Are, are you, you always together with them or are you working with them separately? And if so, how are they dividing up their attention to you and, and kind of who's leading and who's giving you certain resources? So it's really funny because we get asked this question probably daily. Um, Kevin and Barbara are celebrities and they are multimillionaires and they're living their own lives too. So you can talk to Kevin and Barbara as much as you can, as long as you request time to talk to them. Right. Um, but most of the time they have liaisons. Um, Kevin has a partner and Barbara has a business development guy that we talk to and they can funnel most of our questions and help us out. Um, or if they don't know the answer though, they can get in touch with Barbara or Kevin faster than we could. Um, and Kevin's side is a little more analytical, data-driven, and they're all about the numbers and the finances, while Barbara's side is a little more nurturing, motherly, encouraging, like, um, rock on. Just She's she's just, like, a very motherly figure, um, very warm. And so it's just, I feel like they're the dynamic duo. They both have their <laughs> qualities, and they both have a lot of connections and can definitely help us and give us a lot of guidance um, as to where to go. And are they, I mean, are they, are they sitting down with you or like was part, was this part of the kind of aftermath where you would really work on and talk them through, here's our big vision and here's where we're going and here's the strategy. And then they sort of chime in on that. Cause I had read somewhere that, you know, um, I think 30% of your business is bridal 
and 70% of your business is sorority. And you guys were really wanting to build out more of the bridal. And, you know, Barbara was very much like, no, 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 stick with your niche and really put an energy there. So like, at, at what point are they having say or do they know of your of your big vision? And are you are you sort of do you have access to them for like any question you have? Or is it sort of like on a regular basis, you kind of meet up or at least touch base about sort of the status of everything? When we first closed our deal, the main question that they asked us is, where do you want your company to be in five years? And through that and evaluating the growth of the company, we really recognize the fact that the sorority market is where our niche is. That's where we have the most growth potential. And that's where we really need to focus our resources. So with Kevin and Barbara's guidance, we've really dwindled down bridal. People can still order from inventory, um, but we just aren't we aren't focusing on made-to-order products for the bridal division because it's incredibly time-consuming. So what we've really done is taken a step back and projected the growth and really, really worked with them on how to do that. Um, One of the main things we've done within the last month is launch a brand ambassador program. So we now have campus representatives at schools all over the country. And these are people that will be working with all of the chapters at their campus to help promote Frill and tell them about all of the new products and services that we have. So one of the other things that we addressed with the Sharks was the fact that these people are coming to us once or twice a year, which is great. These are big orders that we get during that time, but the market is huge and only having to only have them come to us once or twice a year isn't enough. So we worked with them on how can we get them to come back on a more regular basis and how can we hone in on all of the girls in the chapter instead of just dealing specifically with a rush chair or a recruitment position. Hmm. Very yeah. great. I love the brand ambassador idea, especially on a university's campus. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, so I'm going to ask you to kind of like close out this conversation. I'm going to ask each of you guys uh, a couple of cu- questions separately. Mm-hmm. Kate, being the numbers person and being sort of the, the process driven person and the operations person, what, what is maybe one, you know, tool or, you know, way that you structure yourself so that you're really being very productive with your day and you're being efficient? Spreadsheets. <laughs> I mean, anything you need in an organized form, like, I got you. So um, that's, that's what my whole organizational system is based off of. I normally have one spreadsheet that is kind of the the main basis of everything. And then I have other little ones that are linked to it. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how I organize things. Um, I'll put pictures in there if I'm trying to refer to something, but that's, that's my whole system in a nutshell. (laughs) Love it. Love it. From one spreadsheet obsessed person to another. I totally get that. (laughs) Google Google spreadsheets right now are like my favorite, favorite thing Uh, ever. So (laughs) Um, Sharon, how about you? I want to, how, how do you make sure to structure your day and, you know, so that you're, cause you're dealing with a lot of the creative side, you're dealing a lot with the customer interaction. Um, how are you structuring your day to make sure that you get everything done that you need to get done to push the business forward? So the most important thing to me are sales, especially during this time of season, season and year, um, January through May is our sales season. And so communicating with the sorority girls and making sure they want what they need, even if that means putting um, some of my administrative things I need to do on the back burner, um, because these sorority girls, they're going to leave for summer in about a month. Um, And their decisions to what they are going to wear for fall recruitment are about to end in a month. So I have this month window um, right now where I can still close on some sorority orders, which could be thousands and thousands of dollars. 
So my day-to-day mostly is um, I communicate with them via phone and email. So I'm mostly emailing them back and forth, trying to make sure that they have what they need, um, making sure that they get their fitting stuff, um, that they're paying me on time, um, or they're giving me their sizes that they need after they have their fitting. So it's just staying on top of them because they, this is not the only thing that they do. For me, it's the only thing I do. But for them, you know, they're in school, they have jobs, they are the recruitment chair, they're planning the other days of recruitment, they're planning the themes, X, Y, Z. So they're a little busy. So just making sure to remind them that I need all these things from them before they get out of school um, and just closing those deals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you look at Sharon's calendar, it's literally like time blocks of scheduled (laughs) time. I love it. Yeah. That's exactly how I work too. <laughs> and it's all different colors. So, you know, like anything in green, is anything money generating? And that's <laughs> like, yeah. I know. I used to have a notebook where I had like a to-do list and it's gotten to the point where I like, I swear by my Google calendar. Love it. Love it. Um, I want to, I want to make sure to kind of circle back around to this because we didn't really talk about it much more, but um, Pinterest was a huge starter for you. What are you guys doing now? What is your what is your social media strategy look like now? Or or maybe one or two ways that you guys are really building a following on social media, getting uh, you know, more attention on social media. What what are you doing there? Are you are you still leveraging what worked for you in the beginning? Yes, we are. So now that Pinterest ads has opened up advertising to anybody, um, Pinterest ads is probably one of the top things that we do and that drives Sorority Girls to our website. Um, paying popular bloggers and pinners that are sorority bloggers and pinners um, to post things about us and um, big sorority sorority media outlets um, that talk about sorority stuff all day are huge for us too. Um, And then Google AdWords, Facebook ads here and there. Facebook isn't one of our bigger things, um, but sometimes, you know, during our sales season, we will like put some ads up because um, that's when it's the most cost- efficient for us and then Instagram building our following on Instagram is really huge and getting sorority girls to follow us even if they're not the recruitment chair you know they can always pass on the word or tag their recruitment chair and just getting the buzz um, and exposure about us so these girls can just tell all of their sorority friends about us from seeing whatever we the cute things we post on Instagram right when we first started the company all of our our publications and social media and traction from it was very organic and since then we still try to do that but we've done it a lot more in a targeted way right and I think that's been really beneficial to the growth of our company because companies like or you know outlets like Pinterest are not as popular as they were a couple years ago so making sure that you direct it um, so that it's targeted specifically at the customer is really important the first two years like she said we didn't spend a penny on advertising and we made about 200k so, wow. um, to that, that those metrics are very powerful to us. Yeah. Um, so we still believe in, you know, keeping, keeping it low and just, or funneling the money into smart things. Right. Right. I love it. Kate, Sharon, I want to thank you both for being here and for sharing the journey. Man, you've had so much exciting stuff going on. Huge, huge congratulations to you. I can't wait to see where else your business goes. Cause holy cow, I'm, I'm really I'm just so, it, it excites me to see a business that has gone through as much as you have in just such a short period of time. So big congratulations to you and we'll definitely be keep, keeping up with you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Hands down, the best part of that conversation was learning that they put a mock shark tank together. <laughs> 
<laughs> with their dad. Kudos to you, dad, for playing a really great Kevin O'Leary. And um, uh, and they really practiced. And, and I just love that idea. I mean, they really uber prepared and it showed. They were so smooth on the show. Make sure you go and share your shark selfie. Try saying that five times fast on social media. Um, go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash shark week and you will have all the different graphics and beautiful things that you can choose from with sharks on them and with Shark Tank on them, Biz Women Rock logo on them, uh, and go take a selfie with them. Uh, whether you print it out or whether you just hold up your iPad or your computer right next to it and take a selfie. Um, this got so creative back in 2014, and I can't wait to see what happens this year. So go take your shark selfie, go post it up on social media, up on Facebook, up on Twitter, wherever you are, and hashtag the heck out of Biz Women Rock, Katie Kermitzos, um, Shark Selfie, Shark Tank, uh, Shark Week, all that fun stuff, okay? I'm so excited to see where this goes this year because we had so much fun with it last year. So go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash Shark Week. All right, tune in tomorrow for our next interview. Ooh, I'm so excited to bring this to you. We're going to have a lot of fun. Have an awesome day. I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.